Said Abbas Rezavian, it's good to have you on again. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. It's great to see you, Sheikh Ahmed. Always good to see you. One of my good friends here. We were joking and laughing around right right now before this, but it's probably better not to put everything we, we were saying online. But yes, that's all right. That's why I kept asking: Is this going to be recorded or not? So you're lucky it wasn't. I'm just kidding. There's nothing you said. Um, yeah. So yeah, so. I just wanted to ask you, since the last time we talked, has anything new happened? What's going on over there in Iran right now? Have you started classes again? Yeah, I, um, in general, about my personal life, I have my classes on Saturdays mm-hmm. and Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have ethics in the Quran. I don't know if we did that before. It's a tafsir, topical tafsir of the Quran and ethics. And uh, we also do... Uh, I'm sure you studied this on Moses Shafiq or yeah. legal rulings by Hoja to Islam Fadlahzadeh. That's translated in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it's not printed yet, though, but I have a copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going over that, the entire Ahkam, about 75 lessons. That's good. So we're doing that on Saturdays. And on Sundays, I'm doing Al Hidayah. It's an Arabic grammar mm-hmm. book. So those are the courses and i recommend anyone that listens if they want to come it's a it's a free online course they're welcome and uh you can find it it's on zoom yeah i'll put and, i'll uh, put a link in the description so whoever okay. wants to to join the class could just look it up there and come in and learn islam <laughs> but sure, it's good sure. definitely the almuzesh fiqh is a good book so i, I studied that in the first couple of years in Hausa. so you definitely get a lot of benefit out of that Akhlaq in the Quran was 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 it was that what it was called? Quranic Akhlaq. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah? Yes, so yes. That's good. And Hidayah, one of the staple Arabic grammar books. So yeah, I want to make sure uh, those that aren't in the Hosa get tortured as well <laughs> a little bit with the grammar. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You know, a lot of people they they come they want to come to the Hosa at the beginning, they think it's going to be a breeze easy, and then once you get into some of the grammar and you see the difficulties, you know, mm. you got to make sure you know what you're getting into and what you want before, you know, you come in. Yeah. yeah that's to the true. Hosa, you know. That's true. And then what about uh, the level of the student? Do they, are they, do they need to be at a, like an intermediate level or beginner level or advanced level? What level does a student need to be? Well, the, the Saturday classes, it's general, any level, the Saturday classes. Sunday, I'm going to maybe add later on some other Hosa uh, courses. So, like, Heda, I don't recommend it for someone that doesn't even know how to read, you know, a little bit of Arabic. Hmm. But it's translated too. Okay. So, that's the thing. And oh, it's, is it's is good. it in English I mean, as well? Yes, yes. Oh. That's, that has been translated. There's some issues with the translations and stuff, but it's good. It's easy, hmm. much easier to, to go over a book that's been translated than. Hmm. To start to translate yourself while you're teaching. Yeah. All right. And then what time do you hold these classes? Uh, it's uh, Pacific Standard Time is uh, 7.30 on Saturdays um, and 8.30 in the morning. For, for So one's at 7.30 and one's at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. Pacific. What, I don't know what time that would be. Australia. What time is that for you? For me, it's in the evening. That's like 8, 8 in the evening for me. On Saturday. Oh, so that's going to be like 12 or something, right? 
Well, right now, like how many hours from now is it? Um, let's see here. Uh, from here, ten about ten hours. Ten hours from now. Uh, actually, nine hours. Nine the first hours. one should start. So then that would be. Yep. That would be two. And let's say three in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how many people you'll be getting from Australia, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, this very very sincere. Uh, those that don't sleep at night and. <laughs> The only so, uh, of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like before before Salato Leo would learn a little bit about Islam. There you go. Why not? Actually, actually, you know, I have the opposite for me. You know, because of the coronavirus, mm. there's been a lot of demand for online uh, presentations and lectures. Yeah. But uh, if I do something for the East United States, it's like at four thirty. Uh, you know, night of Friday, 4.30. And it's actually kind of nice. That's like mm. the most spiritual time in the week, mm. actually. Like imagine the night of Friday. Mm. It's just for me, you know, you have to wake up a little bit before it and prepare for it. And, you know, it is exhausting. But once it's done, you're actually very happy that, you know, you were up that, that, that time period and speaking, you know, during that time period. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes I do the podcast at like 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. So I, I know what it's like. And- oh. Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I I love I love being awake at that time. I'm always up at that time, so I wake up at three. Yeah, every day. Mashallah, mashallah. <laughs> yeah, I have like a few different things I'm trying to do in life. So, with my psychology stuff, I try to advance with that. I'm trying to make a like a a clinic, an after hours clinic. Hopefully, when I get registered, so I'm starting to do all the background stuff for that. All my gray stuff Great. I do. Like it, like I divide every, you know, a few different compartments in my life, and I work on them, for, you know, before That's great. before I work. <laughs> I'm sure all your the Islamic activity you do is brings barakat to the rest of your your activities. I'm sure, sure, I'm you sure. know that it, it does that. So I'm very. With your du'a when you when you make du'a, everything works. Well. <laughs> no, if you don't have any du'a, everything will be opposite. Then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about your own studies? How how are those going on? Good, good. Our uh, teacher he's teaching. Uh, it's kind of we call it hybrid or mm. um, I mean we murakab tarkibi. So there's people that are physically present and is also online. It's on Instagram, online, okay. uh, live. Oh wow! Okay. So. So, like, out of the 200 students or whatever, 300 students, like 50 have invitations or are allowed to come in. And uh, it's actually at the office of Ayatollah Shubayri Zanjani, his Darsa mm. Kharaj, the mm. great manager, one of the great managers in the yeah. It's in his office. I haven't been going for a few weeks because of the, the coronavirus situation. I did a little bit of ihtiyat, mm. and I listened online. Yeah. But I'm thinking of once in a while just checking in and, you know, just saying, you know, yeah. uh, how the teacher's doing. But it's there's so many. It's There's 50 people. Inshallah, I mean, everyone has a mask and uh, there's social separation. Mm-hmm. And they chose that place because it has high ceilings. Mm-hmm. I actually think it was the home of Ayatollah Sadr, one of the Sadrs uh, that, that, that the office that Ayatollah Zanjani has. Mm-hmm. Think of, I, I don't know exactly, maybe the brother of Musa Sadr, Ayatollah Musa Sadr. You know, someone of, of the family of Ayatollah Musa Sadr. Mm. And as you know, Ayatollah Zanjani were very were good friends with Ayatollah Musa Sadr. Mm. 
And uh, they used to study together. And he has a lot of stories about how Musa Saj was like. And um, anyways, he was in that home before. So that was his home and he, he purchased it. And, uh, and that's where the, the, the Durus is from Ayatollah Shahidi, who's mm-hmm. a student of Ayatollah Tabrizi, his, yeah. his uh, student. So it's, it's good, you know, but you can listen online and you can attend. Mm-hmm. And, but it seems like they're going to close everything here. Oh, are they? They might be two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Mm-hmm. They might close. There might be a shutdown for two weeks. Stores are closed at 6 p.m. now, and that's everything else that's not necessary. Or, or there's a curfew like at 6 p.m. There's a complete curfew at 6 p.m. Not a complete curfew. They're trying to the curfew on the store owners okay. to close their shops. Yeah. So, so people, people are still home. outside and they go to parks or whatever. Uh, the parks were closed. I know some of my saw open. The oh, parks yeah. were closed. Wow. They put yellow tape. Oh wow! Um, oh, so yeah, we are getting around 400. Uh, 400, unfortunately, are dying a day here. Mm. And you know, imagine with the population of 80 million. Mm. So 400 people, and obviously, it's always more because uh, every country is like this. You know, you, you, the, the the way the tests are and those that get tested. You know, these are the ones that are confirmed. Mm. There's probably you know more than than those that got tested. So. Yeah. Around 400 a day, unfortunately, for a few, it's been a little bit like a week that we've reached the 400 a day. Yeah, yeah. Because I know, I know it's been not in the news, but you know, we've been hearing from the brothers here that there's been a big spike recently. So, yeah, I guess that's confirming it. Yeah, yeah. And around the world, you know, mm-hmm. the US now has over 100,000 cases a day, in Europe, France. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the U.S. is ridiculous. But you're, okay. you're okay there, right? Yeah, Australia is great. Like, there's really nothing here. So there's very, very few. Like, I think it's been, I don't know, like, we don't even look at the news anymore, sort of. You know? Like, if if you get four people, it's like, oh, my God, four people got it. It's not We pray that it stays that way, inshallah. Inshallah, how, you know. inshallah. So they've cut themselves off from the rest of the world. Anyone who comes, any Australian who comes back to the country has to isolate for two weeks in a hotel that's guarded so they can't leave. Um, Wow. Yeah. And then pretty much, you know, the states had closed the borders to each other as well, but they're just opening them up now. Um, But yeah, they've they've held it under control. They did a good job. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I heard from the beginning. They said, give Corona everything that you have at the beginning, you know. Or else you won't be able to, uh, you know, get control of it. Yeah. It's like a fire that do just go out of control. That's it. That's it. But inshallah, inshallah, it gets better there and everywhere else inshallah. as well. Maybe there's a inshallah. maybe there's a uh, vaccine coming out. Who knows? Seems like yes. Seems like that's the word from America, but we'll see what happens. Inshallah. Inshallah. All right. So um, yeah. So. I wanted to touch upon a topic this time about hope and fear, because I know this is a topic that is normally raised when you talk about akhlaq and you're doing akhlaq in the Quran, right? So I'm sure there's some stuff from those classes you might be able to sprinkle in. But it's also a conversation that I had recently with some of the brothers. We have a, we have a program with um, one of the sheikh, Sheikh Zaid, at his house, and 
he gets together a few of the mu'minin and we talk about Islamic subjects once a week. And this subject was brought up and I thought it was interesting. So I wanted to see what your thoughts were on it. Um, basically looking at, first of all, what are the, the benefits of hope and the benefits of fear? And then what would the, what would too much fear and too much hope, if there is such a thing, lead to? And then what are the Islamic kind of parameters or recommendations that are given in regards to these two concepts, right? So how, how can we utilize fear and hope to increase our, our spirituality, increase our closeness to God to kind of keep us on the right track? I'm sure you know more than me, so, but just because, you know, you invited me to speak, I'll, I'll start, inshallah, you'll, uh, I'm sure you add in things. Always so humble, uh, say. Always so humble. No, I'm stuffed. Stuffed. Um, but in general, as you know, um, I don't know if this is, this how true this is, but this would be nice to research. I've heard, I read it in one of the books from our ulama, I didn't uh, verify it, that a lot of the prophets before, the way the relationship with God was the relationship of a fear of a, of a servant, of a slave to their master. And they would cry out of fear. And they say when Jesus, Esau came, his more his relationship was more towards uh, love and um, hope. Hope. I don't know. I don't know if this is how exact it is, but. Uh, I, I, at least I asked some guy and he was in Catholic school. He said, that's what they taught us, you know? So, and that was interesting. So I don't know, but there you go. That's confirmed. So I'm going Catholic school. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then when it comes to the prophet of Islam, we see uh, emphasis on the fact that we need to have both at the same time, fear and hope and a balance and both of them are uh, mentioned as uh, from the Ahlul Bayt that both of them are mentioned as uh, lights that they should be balanced that you can, you should not have uh, you know you should have extreme or not extreme you should have you know uh, an intense amount of sheer hope and also an intense amount of fear and um, that's that's so we see in, in at least in Ahlul Bayt uh, narrations, uh, that this is what we're trying. This is the goal. We're trying to get these two lights, and we're trying to utilize them, you know, as much as we can. And because both of them develop us, both of them have their effects. Mm. We both need to have fear, and we both need to have uh, hope of God. All right. So when we say fear God, what what do we mean exactly? Exactly, and that's a very good point. Actually, you know, in our ethics and Quran discussion, um, I have a very beautiful hadith from Imam Ali alayhi salam. See if I can bring it here about tafsir al khawf. What is meant by khawf? Because um, sometimes we might have a, uh, a not a good understanding of khawf. Imam Ali alayhi salam in uh, Quran al Hikam. Says, La takhafu dhulma rabbukum. Rabbikum. Don't fear the oppression from your Lord. Walakin khafu dhulma anfusikum. Fear the oppression from your own. So, this is under Tafsir al Khawf and Nizal al Hikmah. They bring this hadith, meaning that don't fear that Allah is going to oppress you, He's going to do dhulm to you. Actually, 
when you think of khawf and, and fear, you should be fearing what you have done to yourself. That's what the, the reality of, of hope, of fear is, is that what's going to be the effect, just like in this world, if I um, damage, do if I do something to myself in this world, I am fearing the consequences of it. And there's the same uh, relationship of causation, you could say, that whatever we do to our spirit, it's going to show up in this world and more when the barriers are removed in the hereafter. So we are fearing what we have done to ourselves. That's all it is, you know. And uh, to, to add to this, and this is the difference. So then Imam Adi Aysam in another hadith in Quran al-Hakam talks about the fact that there's a difference between how we fear a people. We say fear, we're used to that, like fearing someone, like uh, someone that has power, someone that's dangerous. But then he says this, he says in this narration, When you fear uh, your creator, you escape to him. Mm. And when you fear a creature, a creation, you will escape from it. So in this world, when the way that we fear people, we run away from them. This isn't meant, you say, fear of God to run away from God. It's actually, you, you understand that you are running towards him. You're go, escaping towards him. Why? Because he is the only one that can cure or make better those damages that you have done to yourself. You know, it's so interesting. That's, that fear. that's interesting, but yeah. it seems like with these two perspectives, right? When, you, when I have fear of God, what, I'm, what that's doing is it's making me go towards him and it's making me try to improve my relationship with him. And I'm not running away from him as I would run away from someone that I fear or something that I fear in this world, right? So like, I'm scared of a lion, I'm gonna run away from it, right? But I'm scared of a lion, I'm gonna run towards it, towards him, right? Exactly. Now, does that, does that mean fear? There's, there's, fear has a different meaning here, that when we attribute it to God, this word chof might, might have just a completely different meaning, that, it, that when, it's, when the, the object of our chof is God, instead of anything else? Or is it the exact same meaning? I think um, with my limited knowledge and with, with what I understand is that uh, this, is the, this is the type of understanding of hope that goes along with hope. Or else you couldn't, it would be hard to balance hope and fear because they seem to contradict. Mm. If you have, you know, hope, how can you have hope in someone and also have fear? So it seems like if you understand fear this way, that you're not fearing Allah himself. You are fearing those things that you have done to yourself or that might happen to you or uh, the fact that even in this world, we don't know if we're going to go to heaven. We don't know if we're going to go to hell. What, what's going to happen? Make make of us. You know? mm-hmm. So um, it's, it, it's in a way that um, to understand, one of all, first of all, that it's a different type of fear that we fear the creation and the creatures. And we, we still fear Allah, we run towards Him. But in the same way, Allah is not going, we have to have, know that Allah is not going, going to do dhulm to us, to oppress us, to, to hit us, to, to punish us um, just because He wants to or whatever. This is, this is the law, this is causation. Mm. And uh, we're fearing you know, what we have done to others because we know that the responsibilities. The, the sensitivity, you could say, or 
the, the uh, how careful we should be towards the creation of God, how creation, careful we should be with our respons- with our own selves is very high. Um, in another way, we could say this. This is something very interesting. I, one of the speakers mentioned this, and uh, he says, actually, when you think about the punishment of God, of course, when you, when you disobey God, you're not doing anything uh, to him. He has a need. He does not have any need. So why does Allah punish us? He says because he cares for us so much and because those instructions are so important for you and there's so much good in it that he wants to make sure and he won't allow you, he won't allow you to hurt yourself. He wants you to be careful that you do not hurt yourself, that you do not uh, go into sins that are going to destroy your, your enough. So it's actually out of love you even when you realize that he puts in this because there's there's no when someone instructs something it's usually for themselves when it comes to Allah he has no need but the fact he wants to guarantee that we will follow this path that he is 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 very careful on how we live and he won't allow us he does not want us to hurt, harm ourselves mm-hmm. so all that comes to self harm dalam to nafsi you say in dua kumay i've sinned my on myself i've hurt myself so we, have, we do not hurt God. We hurt ourselves, and that fear is the recompense. What's going to happen now? Or my duties, for example. Have I committed my duties how they should have been? You know, haqqa tuqat, the Quran says, did I have true taqwa? And mizanul a'mal is Imam Ali, salam. the scale of actions is Imam Ali. How are my actions compared to Imam Ali? Mm. So then you, you suddenly go, oh, I fear, you know, that I didn't do my wajibat, right? Mm. So you could. That's you, why I, yeah. So it's not only fearing sins you've committed; it could be fearing that you haven't done enough, or that what you have done is not accepted as well. Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, some our teacher Sheikh Ahmad al-Mushtaq used to joke, and some guy he would uh, you know it's mustahab to pray you know one place and then another place and another place. He says that a lot of times this person would pray and he'd immediately move. From after he's done in praying, he said, if this salat is not accepted, it's going to come right back down. I'm going to move away from the location so that I don't get hit by it. <laughs> so this is our salat. is a salat that is going to come back and haunt us a lot of times. Because, you know, as I was joking the other night in speaking, I said our salat is usually the lost and found. Because we're trying to look for our keys and our, the, what's on the stove. And we're in salat, we find all these things, mashallah. <laughs> Yeah. My salat, at least. <laughs> <laughs> it's a time of real concentration. <laughs> All right, so yes. you did mention at the beginning that this fear and hope is supposed to be balanced in the heart of the mu'min, right? So what what would too much or an un, like an unbalanced fear? What would that look like? And then what? How could that harm us? Because that's not what is being recommended. Very good. So what does fear bring? Too much fear brings despair, right? Uh, too much fear of God will, will give you the, you know, yes. Mm-hmm. And not only in spiritual matters, also <clears throat> matters in this world. If you're too negative. Actually, today I, from our Bathal Kharaj, I was listening, our teacher gave us a nice story of Tabrizi, and this is how this would be too much fear. He said sometimes he would have yes. When it came to the books, I told Tabrizi, he saw Jawahir al-Kalam. You know, it's a big 
Encyclopedia of Fiqh. It's, it's a very detailed book. And some have said that if 100 mushahideen gather together to create something like this, they couldn't. It's a book from about 100, 200 years ago. He said, I was studying that book, and then I, and it took me two or three hours to understand a passage of it. I took Tabrizi, Maj. And this is probably before his Ishtad and everything, or maybe. He says, how then I had despair. I had, you know, you have too much fear, you even when it comes to things in this world. I had despair. How can I understand this entire book and analyze it and give my own opinions? This is too much work. Of course, he overcame it. So sometimes when it comes to our work, our education, you think you're, it's, you get overwhelmed. You get overburdened. You think you can't do it. And that's shaitan. That's also satanic. And when it comes to this world, too, or when it comes to, to, to sins, oh, you're not good enough. You know, you look at you. You're not good enough. You shouldn't even do this. You, when it comes to mustahabat, wajibat. And that's what one of the speakers said my entire life. I just I have done two things my entire life. No, this is a panahiyan, Sheikh Panahiyan says. My entire life is summed with two things. One is giving hope to those that have despair, those that have too much fear in their own lives and too much, uh, you know, maybe you could say in this way, in a negative you know, manner. And I gave them hope to the sinners. And at the same time, my entire life was giving and subjecting fear to the, to the faithful. Because the, the faithful, they're at in danger of having too much hope. And that too much hope can cause also problems. And, and, and even in our own lives today, even the, the our teacher said that there are students that are geniuses and they rely too much on themselves and they study the Hosea books very easily. It's very, and this too much hope in their lives and so overconfidence causes them to not to attend class as much, not to need the teacher, not to read the books as much, not to study. And then they go, you know, to track backwards. So then you have a, a too much hope or too much reliance on yourself. Mm. So we see in our, in our lives, yes, you can have in your physical life, in your spiritual life, that you're always, you're going to need injections. Sometimes read, you know, verses of the Quran that are fear. Sometimes you, you, those aren't good for you that time. Read verses of the Quran about hope and rahmat of Allah, you know. So you need to kind of like, you know, vaccinate yourself with these different, you know, injections so you have that balance. You know, that's for my limited amount of knowledge that I have. And when we're talking about hope, hope with, with respect to God, we mean him rewarding us or forgiving our sins. And is that what we mean by hope, I'm assuming? Yes, yes. Hope, um, when we talk about hope, we see many verses in the Quran um, that actually talks about spiritual development through hope. And that, um, let me see if I can bring some of these. For example, it's, it's very nice that you know, some of the verses talk about answering the, the call of the prophets is because of for those that those that had hope of Allah. So you see in the Quran that those that had hope in God, those that um, have done hijrah or has jihad here, they, they strived. So it causes us to do good actions. It causes us to uh, follow the life, uh, the, the path of the prophets, because we have hope in God. And imagine if he didn't have hope in God. I mean, what kind of relationship would that be with, with you know, Ar-Rahman, you know, Ar-Rahim? And it means to have hope 
way that you know everything at the end will, will, will be okay. You tr- and it causes you to have high trust in God in your, in your affairs in this world. I'll give you another story. And I, this is, again, I learned today <laughs> from Bathoha. It's a good Sayyid class today, Sayyid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today. When he talked about, it's Bath al-Kharij, it was fifth, but it was about Ujb. Mm. It's about Ujb. So it's when they begin Kitab al-Salat, so intentions. It's kind of like an akhlaqi. It turned into akhlaqi. <laughs> now, these are um, also, uh, you know, things, issues in Islamic law. Sayyid Ali al-Shushtari visited um, Sheikh um, Ansari, Sheikh Murtada Ansari, who was, as you know, Sheikh Hamid, they call him Khatam al-Fagaha, the seal of the, the, the jurists. He lived around, I think, 150 years ago, something like that, right? Sheikh Hamid, somewhere yeah. around that. And uh, he comes to him, and he, they, they had a very good relationship. And he says that uh, he, want, he does du'a, and he tells Sheikh this, that you are going to live a long life, and you're going to do salat my body, on my dead body. And then the person asked later on, Sayyidani Shush, how did you know that he's going to live longer than you and that uh, you'll die first and he's going to do that salat? He says, because I followed the instructions, all the instructions of my mola, of my master. I followed all the instructions and I am asking him this one thing. I'm asking him this thing and I know that he'll answer. So that's hope. He had this much hope and confidence that Allah is going to, and that's called having, you know, husn al-dhan, having a good opinion, favorable opinion of God. And, he, and, and this did happen, you know, that uh, he understood that from uh, following the obligations and the commands of God will, will, will also listen to his du'as. So we understand that hope also comes having a good opinion of God. If you don't have hope in God, you're having a, a, a favorable or a bad opinion about God. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm not saying this to you, of course. I'm just saying this for those that are listening, because this is all for you. Uh, these are things that you've learned already and applied. But um, I'm just saying, you know, just so those that are listening, you know, can, can, can listen to that. We have to be very careful of, of this side, too of not having a negative opinion, an unfavorable opinion about God. And yas is one of the worst uh, sins with despair. It's one of the worst sins. And that Allah you know, does not want us to ever think that we will not be forgiven. And that's um, to not have an uh, you know, unfavorable opinion about Him. Yeah. So I see from what, from what you're saying, one of the things I'm gathering is that when we have too much hope or too much fear, it might deep motivate us to towards spirituality right so if I have too much fear of God and I feel that God's gonna punish me no matter what I do then what's the point of me trying to be religious what's the point of me observing religious commandments and refraining from sin if I'm gonna be punished anyway I mean if I have too much hope where let's say I'm gonna go to heaven God's gonna God's gonna forgive me of all my sins then I might not be motivated to put forth effort, right? Because I, I think God's going to treat me favorably no matter what. So why should I put forth effort, right? I could, I'm, I could just skate by and, you know, grab, grab the imam's hand and he'll throw me into heaven and there you go, right? So like so, I, feel, I feel when it's unbalanced, it demotivates us 
to follow our religion. But when it's balanced, when you, you mentioned at the beginning that you know we're in a state where we don't know what's going to happen in the hereafter. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven or I'm going to go to hell, right? And if that's the state you're in, that will motivate you to try to do a little bit extra, to try to observe your religion a little bit more and try to strengthen that religion, right? Is that the gist of it? Yeah, of course. Yes, that's it. It's like, for example, if you, if you had a test tomorrow and uh, you already know you're going to pass, would you still study for it? No, you wouldn't, right? So therefore, you don't know the result. You, Allah doesn't want you to know the result. He still wants that little amount of fear, the amount of fear so that you don't know, so you try hard. Mm. Also, if you knew you're going to fail that test tomorrow, would you study? They said, no matter what, you're going to fail. Would you study for it? No. So that's, therefore, the, nobody knows what's going to happen to them in heaven and in, in fear because we would stop giving up. Those that are fearful, they would stop trying. And those that are hopeful, they would stop, stop trying too. So as I said, as, as you mentioned, there's a balance, there's these lights, and then some of the narrations say, you, and you can take it into extreme, and, and, and there's, there's, a, there's very high limits you know, on these things that they still don't contradict. Like in some of the narrations, it says, even if you sin in, in, in the amount of the stars, even if you have that many sins, you, you don't lose hope. That's, you know, and also at the same time, even if you have the actions of 70 prophets, 70 prophets, imagine how many actions they had. You still do not rely on your actions. You still have fear that what would Allah will do to you. And that, that's how it develops you spiritually, as you mentioned, in this world, in your, in your affairs, in your worldly affairs, and also in your, in your spiritual values. You get that development, inshallah. Mm. All right. Now, I know for myself, right, I'm definitely not at that level where I have complete 50-50, you know, an exact, the exact amount of fear and hope, right? So what can, what can we do to try to develop that? Like, how can, how can we as people who want to do what's right and people who want to, you know, act in a correct manner, but we, don't, we might not know how, right? We might not know how do I work on myself to kind of balance these, this fear and hope out? What, what kind of things can I do? I think you, I'm not going to direct the answer to you because you, know, you have balanced it. And uh, I'm going to direct it to the, to, to the audience, to myself first of all, and then those that are listening. Uh, the problem is we don't really fear God. And unfortunately, we don't really have hope in God. That's the problem. Uh, we have to take both of these things and, and understand what's our problem. How come we don't fear God? You know, in Akhlaq and Quran, you know, it talks about what, what causes fear, magnificence, power, you know, adhumat. When someone is adhim, when someone is great, you have awe, you have fear of them. Imagine going to an emperor or something and you walk all the steps and you see their armies and everyone, you know, and you go all the way and, and to meet, just to meet him, then you would have awe. It's not maybe it's not good to have this kind of awe in, in the creation of God, you know. As you know, Imam Khomeini mentioned, say there's only one superpower, that's that's Allah, you know. But in general, that's how people are. That's in us that when you see power, when you see Adumat, you have fear, you have you kind of uh, you, you get humbled by that, you know. So 
Think about the power of God. Think about his, and, and there's a story about, you know, Zainab al-Tara, a person that used to sell perfume. And to the Prophet of Allah, and the, and the narration talks about, you cannot understand God, you can understand the power, the create, the, the, what Allah has created. And once you understand from his creation, you understand God. That you look at the universe and you see all, every time you look at the universe, don't separate it from God. That's one of the problems with studying science in the West, is you separate it from God. How can you separate your creation from the creator? You know, how come when you go to, say, a piece of art and you see how beautiful that piece of art is, you don't ever uh, commend and, and praise the, the artist, you know, the illustrator, the artist, the painter. So when you look at this, look at it as, look at the painter, look at the, the, the designer, the creator. You see, mashallah, subhanAllah, look at the details in all the small organisms in this world and the abundance and the verity. And also look at the, the vastness of the seas, the oceans, space. And we don't know the limit of space. And you see, this is who, I am going to sin against you know this is who I'm going to fall so we don't understand how to truly fear Allah because we don't understand his power we don't understand that he is powerful he is power itself and at the same time hope we don't truly understand how to have hope in Allah we don't truly understand to have a good opinion about God how much he loves us you know how much he he wants us to reach him and uh, everything that he's do, that there's hikmah, everything that is caused in the traditions is for you, Adam. Every all this creation is for you. I've created all of this for you, and that he listens to us as if we're his only creation. But you know, we speak to God as if there's multiple gods. You know, that's the problem with us. So when we instill the fact in our hearts that how much Allah loves us, and um, is our Sheikh Ahmad Mushahid, he says, he says, Allah didn't open a kebab hut. He didn't want, want to, hell is not a kebab place. He's just going to burn everyone and make kebab out of it. <laughs> he says that, you know, you have to also have, believe in the rahmat of God, that he does not want to ill for anybody, that he loves you more than you love him. And, you know, these are some, some of these traditions might be from the, well, there's uh, traditions that are not very credible. I'm not going to, I was going to say it, but then I don't know about the Senate, but in general, to, to have sheer, complete hope of God and understand how much He loves you, and and this will cause you to have to be very strong. This will cause you, as that person said, Ali uh, Shushtari says, "I'm sure that God is going to answer my dog." Sometimes we have to be like that. I'm sure that He's going to answer my because that means you're having a good, favorable opinion of God. But at the same time, understanding that. Now, not to do do du'as, just, you know, impossible du'as. Or sometimes people do weird du'as uh, because they don't understand the world, you know, especially in this coronavirus times. You don't, a lot of it comes back to, I understand this world is a full of, world of bala, darul bala. This world is a world of change. This world is a world of calamity, of ordeal. And uh, it's not a place of rahad or comfort. Heaven is the place of comfort. So, Doing du'as how with that hikmah in the right way, and uh, instilling sheer uh, hope and love uh, at the same time. You know that's something that uh, someone like me, I, I would have to add. You know, so add these both together. Go extreme in both both manners. Excellent. Yep.
So definitely contemplation and thinking about these things is, is the way to go, 100%. So we're thinking about who God is and that amazing, you know, status that he has, right? And then that should give us that fear. And then looking at how much he loves us and what he's already done for us in our lives. Like, and that should help us to, to inshallah, increase some hope and balances too. So, all right, I know that our time. Just, yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm sorry, sorry, I just forgot one thing. Yeah. Another thing that when you think about beauty, when you think about perfection, what causes love is, is they say beauty and perfection cause love. When you see the perfection in God and you see there's no need and every attribute is the fullest and the best in, in Allah, that causes you to love him more. That will cause you to understand him better. So a lot of times we don't understand the beauty and the completion, and how we're mumkin, we're in need, and he's wajib, he has no need. Once you understand these things and, and the great and the beauty of God, that will bring love, that will bring admiration and love. And so we're looking at that too. And that's related to, to hope, you know, at the same time that when you understand those, look at the attributes of God when it comes to, 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 to love, and that will bring you also to, to hope, hope with God, inshallah. Thank you, sir. It's always a, it's always a blessing speaking with you. Stafrullah, Uh We should next time. I want to ask you questions, and you answer them. Inshallah, next time. Yeah, ask me as many questions as you want, and then when I don't know, I'll just say yes. Yeah, so you can answer it. So. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've studied, I think. At least twice as much as me in the house now, right? No, you're studying now still. So you're studying, you know, things that are more applicable some to people. I'm studying a lot of theoretical things, you know. There is, so. I agree that there is definitely a, uh, I don't want to say disconnect, but definitely when you do leave leave the house and you enter the community, there are aspects of your studies that, we don't concentrate on in home that are more important and we need to kind of catch up on because I don't know, you're not going to sit and talk about an intricate thick detail that you took, that you studied over the last two weeks on the member here in, in Australia, right? It's going to go over people's heads. Yeah. So it's, there's definitely the depth that we study in, in the Hausa far surpasses what we would use in, in normal interactions in, you know, on the streets in, in a Western society. Um, that being said, though, the, the studies in the house give you that framework and that, you know, that ability to utilize the sources of Islam to try to figure out what the Islamic position is in the situation that you're facing, because you would know that situation more than anyone else because you're living it. Right, so you know, you know the, you know all of the different dimensions of that situation, and if you're able to utilize the sources, then you could kind of figure out what the Islamic position would be, which is a huge benefit, and not many people are able exactly. to do that. Right, so studying in the house for an extended periods of time gives you that ability. Inshallah, when you when you come back and move back, if you move back, then then we can all <laughs> use you say it and. I'm too I'm too old now to 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 move to. <laughs> I'm getting become retired pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I thought the Ulama don't retire say. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> What's the retirement <laughs> age? Yeah. yeah. There's no, you're right. The good ones don't, but the, <laughs> they always work. Yeah, actually, you're true. it's true. But it's always it's always a pleasure speaking with you, and inshallah, we, we get to do this many times in the future, and inshallah, always keep in touch. And you know, I think you were the first person that I moved into that I like the first Muslim who I actually lived with, you know, outside of prison, right. So, <laughs> you you got like, and I remember like the group that we had there when when I entered your guy your guys group. You guys taught me so much, and you know, I would well, not I would me. not know. Yeah. yeah, even you, and I wouldn't know, wouldn't know anything. I wouldn't know where to go. Wouldn't know where to start. Think about it. But that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we benefited from your uh, iman, your faith too, at the same time. And you know how it is. You need, you know, especially for the youth there, be very careful who your friends are, very, very careful who, who you associate with, because you can bring two people, can bring each other up. You know, you can benefit, and that's how it was. It was mutual benefit, and you benefit all each other. It's like an island of salvation. It's the from, best thing you know, of in West LA. You know. <laughs> Like I've never seen any, I've never seen anything like it as well. No matter where yeah. I've gone, I've never seen anything like that. Maybe they yeah, exist, it and it's just I haven't, I haven't seen it, or I haven't been able to see, you know, certain groups up close. But it's just the the brotherhood that we had, the faith that the brothers had, and that desire to help each other to get closer to God was was special. And and for it is absolutely true. And for the viewers, Sheikh Ahmed uh, went to the Hosa before me. So you are actually you studied more than me. Yeah, you went to the yeah. Hosa before me, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I did go to the Hosa before you. I think yeah, about yeah, yeah. one or two years before you. Yeah, something like did, that. Yeah, and then I left, and you're still there. So I left the Hosa in 2011, and it's 2020 now. Say it. Because you, you were smart, you graduated. I, I'm not graduating. <laughs> for those who know that, for those those who know the house, know that that makes no sense. <laughs> inshallah. But anyway, said we'll stay in touch. Inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. inshallah. It was an absolute honor. Thank you so much, Sheikh. It's my honor. It's all my honor. Fiyamanallah, okay. said. Keep us. What? You haven't subscribed yet, mate. Get on the ball. Subscribe to the channel.